And the story I pitched was called Cupid's Arrows. Uh, I wanted something that was much more open-ended. And it's about a two-person hitman team of Cupids who get couples together. The idea is that there are two couples for Cupids to get together, or for Cupid himself to get together. So he gets two-person partner teams together. And you have to shoot both people in the relationship. It is very much my love letter to things like The Thin Man. I just wanted to write banter and a couple that was delightful and funny. And it's also kind of like The Love Boat, where I can tell stories about individual love stories and then get done with it and go on and move on to another story. And welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. But today, I'm going back to the comic book world. You know, lately, I have had so many comic book creators on the show. Uh, I am loving it. And I'm especially happy today because one of my dearest friends and uh, someone who does not need another brother, but he's gotten one anyway, my good friend Tom Zoller is on the show. How are you doing, Tom? I'm doing great. Don't underestimate how much I could replace a couple of the lower rung brothers. Okay. Like, we could make that happen. Uh, very nice. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Tom has been on the podcast multiple times. He is actually the person that designed the Set Lusting Bruce logo. And we have been friends 99, maybe? 98? Yeah. It, uh, it would have been... It's 99 or 2000 because we met at that Big Easy Con, and I think the last one was 2001 in the summer. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So it's something it's like that, yeah. Usually 20 years. Yeah, absolutely. And so, uh, so, but just in case someone, this is their first, because you know, every podcast is someone's first podcast. <laughs> you may have heard something it's like true. that, right? Uh, I did, yeah. Tell me a little, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. So uh, I'm Tom Zoller. I'm a cartoonist and caricaturist. I was rocketed for the Dying Planet Krypton. Wait, no, that's somebody else. Uh, I've been writing and drawing comics for the last 20 years. I work on the My Little Pony comics. I write and draw for them. I've written and drawn, or sorry, I've written for the Spider-Man cartoon for Knights of the Zodiac. I also have my own books. I have Love and Capes. I have Cupid's Arrows. I have Warding Label. I have Time and Vine about a magical time-traveling winery. Uh, all sorts of stuff, and I've been completely on my own since 2001. Yes, because the joke was it was the worst time to start a new business, yes. and you took that as a personal challenge. A yes, I went off in November 2001. <laughs> yeah, that is uh, that is wonderful. Uh, so yeah, Tom and I met at a convention. Um, he it was in New Orleans. Um, back then, it was he had he he was mentally working on books he wanted to do but um his gig was he would go and do caricatures at a convention and do you in whatever mm -hmm. comic book hero you wanted to be and uh he and i talked but mostly we talked about sports night in west wing <laughs> <laughs> yes we did i don't even remember how we got to that but i remember talking about it a lot 
Yeah, I don't remember either, and I don't I don't know if I made a comment about talking fast or or something, but something, and that's all we talked about. And um, mm-hmm. and then um, you had given me a card, and and I went to read your blog, and um, for many reasons, uh, one we will get to you don't do conventions anymore because of the pandemic, but um, back then that day you always did it convention report after you went to a convention mm-hmm. and it was long yeah. and really f- fascinating and um i enjoyed it and mostly um i was impressed and this is why my wife fell in love with you is uh <laughs> you talked about staying out to three or four in the morning in new orleans and then trying to figure out where you go to mass because you couldn't miss mass <laughs> can't miss mass <laughs> yes uh and so we ended up um exchanging emails back and forth and you ended up doing some work for my company and we brought you down and we have been friends ever since we have yes yeah so how have you been doing on this weird pandemic my friend it it is really weird uh i'm i'm okay for now i'm still working for webtoon which is is keeping the lights on uh being at home is the same as before the pandemic. So I was always working out of my house. What's different is that I'm not leaving it anymore. So I'm cooking more. I'm cleaning more. I'm doing more stuff in the house because I don't remember the last time I haven't left my house for a hundred days, but that's what this, that's what we're going on. Uh, the last convention I did was C2E2 in Chicago. And that was at the very end of February. And I haven't, I haven't left Ohio since. And that's, I don't honestly remember the last time that was true. Yeah, because you um, you mentioned you 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 work for uh, you know you you work on the My Little Pony books. You do your own books. You've you've done um, you know for the longest time you lettered the Elvira books. I mean you you have been mm-hmm. a professional um, artist, but going to conventions was um, in a lot of ways your day job. Yeah, it was it was easily twenty percent of my revenue. Yeah, and it's where I went to get work, and it's yeah. where I went to network, and that's gone away. Um, and comics, they went through a weird freeze in March, where March, April, into May, they a lot of companies weren't publishing. Yeah, and it was this really weird thing where you couldn't publish, but you could publish digitally. But if you published digitally, you were putting the comic book shops out of business. So you didn't want to do that. And it was right. really hard to figure out a way to make everything work. It's why uh, with my Love and Capes book, I figured out a way to do a print version that I could sell directly to comic shops when other comic shops weren't selling. Um, fortunately, there's a printer in my area that because of everything going on, people have to print disposable paper menus. And as such, the printer was considered um, – an essential worker. So I was able to go to them and have them print my comics and then they mailed them out for me. And I got them to a handful of different shops. So there were actually new comics for a while coming from someone. Yeah. um, And I'm going to get to that in a minute, but um, I mean, you at, at least one convention a month and many month two, right. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. I was easily doing about 16 shows a year. Yeah. Uh, September was always really busy around Comic-Con. Comic-Con has a big footprint, so it gets in the way of everybody else. Uh, so there's actually a little bit of breathing room there. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, there there are a couple months where I do like. I remember when I first started doing conventions really, really seriously, I had uh, six shows in seven weeks, and I think that's still the most I've ever done. Yeah. Um, how many years has it been? Like, this is the first year you didn't go to San Diego, so mm-hmm. but San Diego didn't happen, so I guess that officially your streak is still active, but how many yeah. years has that been? There's an, there's an asterisk. Now. Yes. Uh, this would have been this would have been year 26 if I had gone. I've That's gone awesome. for 26 years as a pro. I went the first time in 94, and I've had a booth there, I think, since 2002. Yeah. When I did Raider, I may have had one year off along the way, but other than that, I've I've got a really good position, and it's it's prime real estate, so I can't give it up. Right. Uh, but yeah, I've been I've been exhibiting for the last 25 years now, which is just bizarre to me because I don't feel like I'm old enough to have been doing anything for 25 years. So I haven't told you this, but um, you you have helped a fellow artist. Um, Without knowing it, um, my new gig. Did I scare? Did I scare him straight? No, uh, no. But um, your influence. So uh, my new company, like when I started working in February, does customer service week, and so for okay. a week they, like you know, we we have theme days, and they were talking about you know bringing in lunch, and we could do breakfast, and uh, we could you know bring in uh they they you win prizes and i said well hey have you ever thought about bringing in a characterist no (laughs) why would we do that i said well my friend tom back it was an excuse for him to get to visit me Mm -hmm. we would go and he would spin there and he'd sit in the call center and he would just sketch away oh we should try that so we brought in a local guy um the concept they loved um, I'm sure he's not listening. We did not like him because he okay. said, oh, I can do X amount. Like, I, I don't remember. Let's just say 12 an hour, okay? And you could okay. probably correct me the math. And he ended up, like, doing more like six an hour, <laughs> you know? Oh, and she okay. was like, no, 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 we have people wanting to go. And so mm-hmm. they, they – but everyone who got one absolutely loved it. They got it up on their okay. – you know, their their cubicles. And I told them, I said, this will be big. It always is. So um, so thank you for that. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. Sure. I'm glad to get yeah. somebody else work. Yeah, exactly. Um, so um, what – you? but you have – well, first off, I want to before I get to your Kickstarter, you mentioned Love okay. and Capes. Talk to me for someone who's never read Love and Capes. Give us your patent and Love and Capes pitch, and talk about <laughs> that the latest chapter that they're going to be able to see. So, Love and Capes is a superhero romantic comedy. It's about a superhero who says, "I love my girlfriend, and if I'm going to tell her that, I have to tell her everything." So, is there ever a good time to tell my girlfriend I have X-ray vision? Is there ever a good time to let her know I can crush coal into diamonds? Things like that. So I did that book for four essentially seasons. It was their dating year, their engagement year, their newlywed year, and their pregnancy year. And then I ended because I got to where I wanted. And I didn't know how to come back. And then I happened to be friends with Greg Weissman, who works on Young Justice, co-created Young Justice. Yeah. And in words that don't make sense to me when I say them out loud, he is a fan of my work. Right. And 
we were at a convention, maybe calls me over all conspiratorially, and I think he's going to ask some deep, dark question about my life or something. And he says, are you ever coming back to Love and Capes? And I said, I, I would love to. Like, I'm never saying, I'm, I never said I wouldn't come back, but I just don't know how to do it. I don't have a story to tell. He's like, I've got an idea. <laughs> I said, all right, co-creator of Young Justice, yeah. tell me your air quotes idea. <laughs> and he says, well, jump in in time five years, and they have two kids. And then I thought about it. I'm like, that solves every problem I had. Uh, and I had written the ending, I think, by the end of that show. Yeah. Uh, and I need to have a good ending, an ending worth coming back for. Sure. The the thing that happened was by jumping ahead and having two kids, it allowed me to jump back and forth between whatever stage of childhood development I wanted to write about. Right. Because I, I think stories should have endings, and I don't want – I never want anything I've done to be completely unfinished. Right. I just want to have a way to keep it going or to end on my terms. So Every Long Capes was a six-issue thing that could end where – it did. Not that I could do more, but I wanted to have an ending that was satisfying. Yeah. And I realized what the ending would be to this arc, and then it, it freed me from trying to like do the life cycle of the child, because if I did that, then all of a sudden I'm committing for 18 years or 21 yeah. years or right. until the kid graduates from college. And that, I don't know if you know about kids, Jesse, but that's a lot. Yes, um, it is. Yes, so I wasn't ready for that. But uh, by jumping ahead in the timeline like that, it allowed me to play back and forth with all the stuff that I thought was interesting. So I did another six-issue series. that uh, I did the print issues. The trade is coming out. It should be in Diamond now. I forget what the order code is because lots of stuff got messed up in the pandemic. But it is available for pre-order. It's called Love and Capes the Family Way. And it picks up five years after everything left off. Yeah, um, in fact, it's, I just got notice um, if you buy it from Amazon, they, they now have – I got an email saying they have a ship date because it was available on oh, Amazon. So I'll, I'll put a link on there, and I'll also in- include your website where they can go directly to you and buy the individual issues mm-hmm. or the four previous trades. Um, I, I Yeah, I, it, it is a um, – it's a fun series. And it is um, one of the things that I always brag to people about it, and I, I, I think sometimes Tom regrets doing this, but because he was worried, um, and you can tell Tom and I have been in a lot of conventions together because <laughs> I, can I, can, I can't do the pitch quite as well as him, but he was worried, what if this doesn't work? But I could always publish it digitally, and so he built it so that every four panels was a joke or a beat so that you could, re- in fact, you you re- you released all of it digitally, you know. Mm-hmm. So you've that also kept it fresh, right? Because you were like, okay, every four panels, I got to come up with some kind of joke. Yeah, I tried writing a sit- sitcom script for. There was a show on Bravo called Project Greenlight, and I wrote a comedy about a couple in a long distance relationship. I really liked it, but it wasn't. One of the comments I got was that it wasn't fun enough. that what was happening was that I didn't have enough jokes that I needed to have one to two jokes per page. And by going to the four panel format, which was essentially writing Bloom County, uh, it was a comedic metronome. It reminded me, be funny, be funny, be funny, be funny, or have a point, you know, hit an emotional note. And that helped a lot. Yeah. um, I, I really do. If you, 
if you've ever had an interest in comics or, or think the idea um, because it's it's its own unique world. But they, you know, he has a version of Superman, he has a version of Batman, he has a one a version of the Flash and Wonder Woman and and you know Spider Man and all your um, superhero icons. He has it set in his own Zoller verse, and mm-hmm. um, and it's funny, and, and it's sweet, and it and it works. <laughs> so Thank you. I'm I'm very proud of it. It's my favorite thing to come back to. Yeah. Um. So talk to me about. Webtoons and and the work you've been doing there. So I've been working for Webtoon for three, maybe four years. Uh, Mm -hmm. I did a comic there. I met them at a convention in Baltimore. We they came over, took a look at my book. I gave them the elevator pitch for it, and they bought it before I was finished. Wow, which never happened before. So I was kind of freaked out because I'd never been able to not finish that sentence. Yeah, and that led me to me doing a strip called Warning Label, which is about a girl who's cursed by her ex-boyfriend that every guy who asks her out gets the warning label of what they need to watch out for. That ran for about 40 chapters. It winds up being about 230 pages, I think it is. And the Webtoon audience, the, the thing about being a comic book guy doing romance stories is that in comic books, I'm an interesting left-handed reliever. But... I'm sorry, uh, in comic books, I'm an interesting utility infielder. When you go to web comics, I'm a, I'm a left-handed pitcher. Yeah. Where web comics so like romance stories that all of a sudden this was the audience I've always been looking for. After I finished up, actually, honestly, episodes into Webtoons, they were already asking me what I was going to pitch next. Yeah. And the story I pitched was called Cupid's Arrows. Uh, I wanted something that was much more open-ended. And it's about a two-person hitman team of Cupids who get couples together. The idea is that there are two couples for Cupids to get together, or for Cupid himself to get together. So he gets two-person partner teams together. And you have to shoot both people in the relationship. It is very much my love letter to things like The Thin Man. I just wanted to write banter and a couple that was delightful and funny and... It's also kind of like the love boat where I can tell stories about individual love stories and then get done with it and go on and move on to another story. Yeah. So I've done two seasons. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to say that, um, you know, one of the great things about Warning Label, it was an epic romance. And uh, with – I mean, it, 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 is a, um, it is a romantic um, story – that yes is funny, but it's very heavy on romance. And you had a successful Kickstarter where you uh, collected that into a physical trade paperback, and that went really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really well. And so now then, uh, kind of going on, um, you are on your second true season on Cupid's Arrow, but you're looking to collect – Volume one, or think of it as the first season of this mm-hmm. version of Love Boat in a trade paperback. So, talk to me about that. <laughs> so, the first Cupid, I'm uh, sorry, the, the Warning Label Kickstarter funded in about three, three and a half days, which yeah. I thought was pretty amazing. So, I'm working with a company called Rocket Ship to put together the Kickstarter for Cupid's Arrows, which launched less than a week ago. It launched uh, last Tuesday, I think. Yeah. And it funded in 72 hours or 72 minutes. Wow. Which is just insane to me. 
Uh, we're still going on. We're over 200% funded. There are all sorts of stretch goals. Um, the Cupids often refer to the Book of Love, which they have as a pocket edition. Yeah. Uh, we're working on trying to do a journal version of that. There are going to be magnets and hardcover. We've already locked hardcover, unlocked hardcovers. There are going to be T-shirts, all sorts of things. Um, yeah. Cupid's Arrows is designed to go season by season. Yeah. It's a lot more open-ended. It is a lot of fun to write a story where I can... I always know where I'm going, but I'm still making things up as I go along, yeah. and it keeps it fresh and interesting. So the first season will be collected. Uh, it should come out in November, and it'll be somewhere around 220 pages. It'll collect the first 26 chapters of Cupid's Arrows. Yeah, uh, you know, you I had not thought about the Love Boat or Fantasy Island aspect of it. I thought of, um, you know, Rob Thomas's Cupid, both versions. Um, you know, was mm-hmm. what, what is the first thought that came to me, but that was a big influence on me. Yeah, this truly is. Um, you picture, you know, your favorite, and we knew we'd get this Aaron Sorkin couple, you know, bantering <laughs> back and forth, yet trying to get couples together. And and one of the things that's um, is not a surprise to me, but maybe a surprise to the audience is how diverse your couples are. You have had every combination, including same sex, mixed race, um, you know, and it just, you truly are showing that, you know, um, love is love. And, you know, and it's, it's really a powerful metaphor showing these love stories. Yeah, I, I work hard at that. There was a quote I remember reading from James Cameron when he did the first Terminator film, and they were talking about him casting um, Paul Winfield as the the cop in that. Yeah. And he said, I asked myself, is there a reason the character can't be black or Asian or whatever? Yeah. And if there's not, then I decide to make him that. And I do the same thing with Cupid's Arrows. So I try to make sure that there is an interesting mix. I try to not make whatever the mix is as important to the story because I think right. the love story is what's important. So yeah. people are people. I want to show different people having relationships. Like in, in a warning label, one of the characters is a uh, half Osage Indian, which you don't see a lot of portrayed in comics or media. And I just yeah. thought that was really interesting. And I got to, I got to play with that a little bit. I'm very cautious and I'm, I try to respect the fact that I'm tapping into other people's stories. Right. It's why I've been very careful about doing same-sex stories. Yeah. Because I don't want to do it just to do it. I don't want to do it to pander. I want to do it because it's a story worth telling. And it's always that balance between it's just another love story, so it doesn't matter who the people are. But if you're going to do something, you have to do it because it means something. Yeah. And that, that tightrope walk between the two of them. Because I don't. I don't ever want something to come out like an after-school special, um, but I also want to show a lot of different types of people. One of the things that I was uh, really proud of at the end of season one of Cupid's Arrows, the side couple, there's a couple getting married, and the wife is deaf. Yes. Um, and it's never they never stop and say it. It's just all of a sudden her word blooms a little different because they appear in caption boxes and she's always signing and all the other characters, the Cupid's can sign to her too. And it's just not a thing. Um, it's, it's one of the things I watch out for because I think at some point I referred to her as hearing impaired 
and and I got a comment that the term is not hearing impaired it's deaf, um, and I try to be very I try to be very respectful of that, but I want to make sure that the story carries through no matter what clunkiness yeah. I might have in. Yeah. Um, so talk about your two main characters. Who are your cupids? So the two main cupids are Rick and Laura. Uh, Laura has been doing the job about 100 years more than Rick, but they've been together for 100 years themselves. Uh, Laura's a little more hard-bitten. She's a little more jaded by things. Rick's still more the optimistic one. Um, and over the course of the series, they realize that the two of them are attracted to each other, which is a no-no because cupids are not supposed to date each other. Right. Uh, so that's basically what the first season is. Um, they drink a lot because I'm doing the thin man. So you can't do that without alcohol. Uh, there are lots of things that came about organically. Like Rick is a foodie and every time they go somewhere, he's always got a restaurant that he likes. Uh, Rick generally has my taste in food, although I did have him eating clam chowder and I'm allergic to seafood, so that was science fiction to me. Um, but I like being able to reference uh, places I like, recipes I like. It, keep his arrows, they'll jump around from place to place, so I get to indulge my love with travel. I try to write about either places I've been or places I understand. Um, and I like being able to, I like being able to show the local flavor and in such a way that the, the people who are local really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, so I, a couple other questions, but you want to give a quick highlights of some of the couples that are featured in the stories that the, they were trying to get the these two kids are trying to get together. Sure. Yeah. Uh, the very first one is a super driven college student who is wants to go pre-med and a barista who seems particularly unmotivated that she winds up falling for. Uh, one of them is very much a Jason Momoa character who meets one of his fans and the two of them hit it off. Uh, there are a couple who are acting in a play and they find out the play is a little more autobiographical than they thought. Uh, the last one in that season is a, you don't know who the couple is and that's intentional. You know that there is a woman who's been, who's just gone through a breakup and has a friend with her, and you don't know who they're trying to get together, which I thought yeah. was really interesting to do. Um, in the second season, uh, there is a comedian and her boyfriend who works at a bar, at a brewery. Um, there is, uh, wow, I've done a lot. There are a couple Disney princesses, essentially, that wind up getting together. Um, I'm currently writing, uh, there is, um, an Indian American who is dying yes. and the woman who is interested in him and he has not yet told her that he has a condition, which is why he's staying away from her. Yeah. Uh, and then every once in a while I'll do like a really quick, um, like in the very first one, they get together a couple in New Orleans during Mardi Gras. Yeah. And... That seemed like a great idea until I had to draw it because it's nothing but crowd scenes and buildings and nothing I was going to use again. Because sometimes I, I have digital assets that I can reuse, but right. they haven't gone back to New Orleans yet. Yeah. Um, but I can do really quick stories and I can do much more long-term stories. And it's that balance and jumping forth between the two of them that keeps things interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think that's been one of the joys of reading the book is the 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 different ways you you do a love story and and there is um 
there is that banter. Uh, sometimes both Laura and Rick will say, "Well, we're going to do a you know, uh, you know, we're going to do a 1776, which is not a real reference, but it's something <laughs> you know, which is it maybe could be a reference like to." Um, John Adams and his wife, you know, writing letters mm-hmm. or something, you know. So you come up with little catchphrases that are the ways you would, uh, you know, do the Picard move or something like that with Star Trek. Mm-hmm. So it's been really a lot of fun. Yeah. I love the idea of writing characters who have existed before you got there. Yes. And the things you do to make it feel like they have been around and had a relationship before you arrived. Yeah. There's a Kevin Klein movie called The January Man from the mid-80s, and it feels like a sequel, even though it's not, because it's all characters going, oh, yeah, I know him. We had that thing in the thing. Yeah. And it's one of the things I could try to chase is the idea of characters that have a history, even if you haven't seen it. I want my universe to feel lived in. Yeah. And I, I do a lot to try to make sure that that happens. So let's talk about um... – they can go to Kickstarter. I will have the link in it, but go ahead and share uh, how to look uh, so, how to look it up. Sure. It's cupidsarrowscomic.com, uh, and that will take you to the Kickstarter page. Like I said, we're already funded. We've got about another 24 days left, so a little over three weeks. Um, we're trying to crush a bunch of stretch goals because it's amazing things that we're going to be able to do if we hit enough. Uh, we've already funded the book, so you know that's going to happen. We've already funded hardcovers, so you know that's going to happen. Um, but there are pins and magnets and T-shirts and Book of Love journals, and it's just uh, – it's really – so one of the things that has been very different about working for Webtoon as opposed to anything else I've worked on is the Webtoon fans are very demonstrative. Yes. They are very engaged. I don't think I've had as many fans cry to me as I have with Webtoons people, and I'm not in any way making fun of them because they've been on the other side of the table, but there's a, an honesty and an energy to them that I have not felt with other audiences. I, I've worked on the My Little Pony books. They have a very engaged fan base, but the rawness of the Webtoon audience has just been amazing. I had a woman come up to me at New York Comic Con last year crying, telling me Warning Label made her a better person. And the flip part of me wants to quote, like Jack Nicholson is in, is in as good as it gets and say, I have to try and get you not to leave. Um, yeah. But I don't, I don't take it casually. Like it is such a, it is such an honor and a responsibility that I want to make sure that anyone who comes up and has that kind of honest, and raw emotional moment that I'm not in any way. I want it to be a comfortable experience for them because I can't, I can't accurately describe how important and amazing it is to me that I get to have that from the things that I write. Yeah, um, it is. So the question I wanted to have is: Have you one of the nice things? And um, if you go to Webtoons and um, go ahead and give that website, please, Tom. Oh, yeah. Uh, Webtoon.com. Uh, we'll take you there. And again, CupidsArrowsComic.com. Uh, There's a link in there to take you to the Webtoon page as well. And it is Toon, T-O-O-N-S, not okay. Toons yeah. like I did the first time. Like, wow, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, it's Web, T-O-O-N. Yes. And um, But you do a Q&A 
um, at the end of every chapter. Are you going to figure out a way to put that in the trade paperback? I would like to. Yeah, they're all done print quality, so I know I can. Um, it's kind of a mix of knowing what stuff is important and what isn't. The completest in me would like to have it in there. Um, we're figuring out the exact page count, but the other thing is that a lot of those little cartoon toms that show up are thing, saying things like, oh, you can catch me at Kansas City Comic Con right. next week. And, and you wouldn't want like, those. I don't know how important those things are. Yeah, but there's a lot of I answer questions from the readers. Uh, there are lots of times where I publish photos that have, uh, because Webtoon fans seem to want to get their picture taken with the creator yeah. more than any other fan base that I've worked with. And I'm glad to do it, but I also I have a ton of photos of me and Webtoon fans. Uh, and some of the cartoon endings to my comics have just been me showing all the different images from different shows. You actually had a couple of cosplayers show up, which was awesome. I did. I've had I've had one person cosplay as Danielle from Warning Label, and then I've had a couple different Cupid's Arrows cosplayers. I will admit that when I designed their outfits in Cupid's Arrows, I was thinking of something that would be easy to cosplay. Uh, when I did Love and Capes, I did costumes that I thought would be really interesting to see, but they weren't particularly practical. Right. So Cupid's Arrows, one, it works for the comic because that's what the important thing is. But also on top of that, I made sure that it would be easy to do. Yeah. In fact, if you really want to cosplay as one of the Cupid's Arrows, you can go on the site and you can get their logo to make the armband that they wear. Oh, like I've, I've made that just public where you can get it. Yeah, that's that's very smart of you. All right, so um, let's get away from Cupid's Arrow for a minute. Let's get away. What do you got working in the Zoller Laboratory coming up? What what are you thinking oh. you're gonna do? You know, I'm not I'm not sure. Mostly, it's trying to it's trying to keep fires from uh, from exploding too much. Uh, I'm trying to do a lot more graphic design. I've got more. Um, I've got more My Little Pony comics coming out. Um, I'm writing a lot about uh, Cheese Sandwich and Pinkie Pie. Cheese Sandwich is the character voiced by Weird Al Yankovic. Uh, oh, nice. So I'm, yeah, so I'm essentially writing romance comics with the ponies, which is really interesting. And I know that I'm not done with Love and Capes because I've focused on Mark and Abby and their son, and their daughter at this point is just under a year old. So she's effectively more starfish than character. Yeah. And I want to get into her personality, so there'll probably be another little bit of a time jump, and she'll be more of a character, but I feel like I have to balance it out between the two kids. So yeah. I've given a lot of spotlight to James, and I need to give more to Haley. Oh, nice. Very good. Well, whatever it is, of course, I'm right here for you. Uh, so... I gotta do what. What have you been watching? What, uh, what have you guys been binging during this uh, so, pandemic? Anything new, or are you going back to old favorites? I'm mostly going back to old favorites. I I don't understand how, for feeling like I don't have enough work coming in, I feel like also all I'm doing is working. So I have been rewatching Deep Space Nine. I've been rewatching How I Met Your Mother, which are two of my favorite shows. Um, I have my girlfriend and I. We have been watching Star Girl, uh, which I we're behind on, but I've enjoyed. In Doom Patrol, which we're behind on, but I think Doom Patrol is my favorite comic book show out currently. Yeah. 
something happened with the DC shows where after they did the crisis, my brain broke and I couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to watch any of them except for, um, except for legends of tomorrow. And then the Adam left and then I couldn't bring myself to watch an episode after that, which is weird because there's an episode where Katie Lotz is dressed like Captain Kirk. Um, and then, uh, yeah, uh, Recently, uh, we're big fans of Thrilling Adventure Hour, which is a old time a new show done in the style of old time radio. And Mark Evan Jackson and Mark Agliardi and yeah. a bunch of different actors are involved with it. And because of that, they did a live reading of Briscoe County Junior. On oh, nice! Friday. So we watched that. So I am exposing my girlfriend to the wonders of 1994 Bruce Campbell. Oh, that's nice! Uh, and man, I love that show. It's I I got this brilliant idea because I, I think you've watched some of the Thrilling yeah. Adventure Hour, but I want to do a team up between Briscoe County Junior and Sparks Nevada, and that ah. is now my current dream project. There you go. That sounds great. Yeah, okay. um, yeah, I, I'm loving Star Girl. Um, Doom Patrol was just a little weird for me this second season. Um, Charles is loving it, and I, I may have to go back and see it. It just that first episode of season two, I didn't like anyone on the screen, and okay. I just like you know it was hard for me to watch. Um, Tom, I'm just so I'm, I'm rewatching West Wing, and I'm just sucked into it. I'm like I'm only gonna go to season four once Aaron leaves. I'll not, <laughs> and I'm watching five right now. Uh, I thought it was interesting. I I um. I, I was listening to West Wing Weekly, and they talked about that um, Aaron always, while he believed in conflict, he did not believe in the core cast arguing with each other. And so when he left, okay. they kind of could play with that toy, and they said, and we did it too much. Like looking back, mm-hmm. and as by watching season five, when they have all the Joshes in the doghouse and all this fighting, and and you go, oh yeah, that that's exactly what they did. They they they, you know, they were free. They went too far. Now they're bringing it back together. So I'm doing that. We did watch um, uh, uh, for all mankind, the Apple Plus. Oh, I uh, love that show. Oh, I just was really surprised that they didn't get any Emmy. Um, uh, nominations at all because uh, it was I, I just love it made me feel good I, I love how mm-hmm. they just made the scent the little bitty changes enough in it and um, the suspense I thought it was a great show um, so I yeah. really am looking I forward to that yeah and I watched the morning show which I really really like too that's next that on was... our binge we're gonna watch yeah, yeah. okay Good. That is that is certainly worth checking out. I keep wanting to rewatch. I've rewatched a couple sports nights because um, yeah. that's that's one of my like go to. Like, what yeah. do you want to watch? Well, how about this? Yeah. Um, and I want to rewatch Studio Sixty. Yeah. Uh, it. I I went there for every couple of years ago, up until a couple of years ago. Every year, like every two years, I watched Studio Sixty again, and so I haven't done that in a while. Um, so two fellow. Uh, podcasters uh jb clark and um 
and why am I drawing a drop on Rob Carmack, uh, do Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet. They are going through every Bruce Springsteen song in alphabetical order, and they've gone through <laughs> all of them songs now, and now they're going through the albums. And they talked about how much they love Sports Night, and so I said, okay, I want the three of us to do a Sports Night roundtable, and they're mm-hmm. both like, just, yes, you name it, we'll do it. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, Linda will kill me if I do another podcast, but I would love just to go through every episode, because it would only be two seasons, so it would be a quick mm-hmm. watch. But uh, it would be fun. So yes, I'm. Uh, that would be greatness. That'd be so good. Yeah. All I right. Made sure there are Studio 60 and uh, Sportsnet references in Love and Capes. Yes. Where clearly Dan and Casey are still hosting their program. Studio 60 is still on the air. Very nice. And uh, and um, and, and in my world, um, um, Zoe and Charlie do get together because you know. He gave him the knife. <laughs> of course they're together mm-hmm. sooner or later. Uh, that's mm-hmm. awesome. All right, Tom, if someone wants to find more of your work to pick up – by the way, we didn't even talk about Time and Vine, which is an absolutely wonderful – you talked about just mm-hmm. a little bit. It is a – it's a time-traveling uh, – time travel, but instead of the TARDIS or Wayback Machine, it's a glass of wine. Um, it is just hilarious and, and really um, a powerful story about family mixed in with a lot Thank of time you. travel stuff. So among that, so if someone wants to find out more about your work, order some stuff, or just to contact you, how do they? All right. I am on Twitter and Instagram at, at Tom Zoller, T-H-O-M-Z-A-H-L-E-R. You can find me at TomZ.com. Uh, all my contact information is there. My web store is there. You can buy all sorts of things from me. So, uh, and I would certainly appreciate that. And uh, you do do commissions. So, I do. I uh, do a ton of them. So, if someone ever, if they have um, an idea about, um, well, you know, I truly wish I could get a picture of, um, you know. Um, the, the birds of prey? Yeah, the birds of prey, yes. Um <laughs> Yeah, one of the things that Tom does for me when we used to do conventions is I would, when I found out what celebrities were going to be there, he and I would put our heads together and go, okay, I don't want to just buy an 8x10 of someone, you know, how do we do? And so the three actresses that were in the um, much too um, soon for for its own time, Birds of Prey, um was going to be at Dragon Con, and so Tom drew them all in their civilian clothes, like as the actresses, but them each playing with a Barbie doll of the character they played in the show. Mm-hmm. And um, the three actresses all were just amazed. <laughs> they were just, this is yeah, one of the cool, yeah. It's gotten us lots of interesting places, like Lynn Morshower. Yes. Uh, we got to hang out with him, and... Um, the actor who played um, uh, Winston Churchill on yes. Doctor Who. He, yes. I, you, I remember you came back with a sketchbook and said he's he signed it, but now he wants to see you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and our favorite is um, Stephen Amell, who plays um, Arrow uh, on mm-hmm. Green Arrow. Um, Tom did a wonderful sketch that's kind of a play on uh, that. If you've never seen the show, 
they have all their uniforms put on mannequins, which are impractical at all if you're trying to get – it looks great on screen, but it's impractical mm-hmm. as hell if you're trying to get dressed. Then you made fun of that joke. And uh, yeah. so I was in line, and they kept talking about no photos, no photos, no photos. And when I get there, Stephen Amell looks at this, takes his phone out, and says, can I take a photo of this? <laughs> Yeah, you can do whatever you want, <laughs> Stephen. And then he tweeted it, and uh, Tom and I were at dinner laughing at the thousands of people that were retweeting yeah. his art. The phone kept blowing up. It was awesome. It was awesome. Well, good. Well, Tom, as always, it's great catching up. Um, I hope uh, you and yours are all staying safe. Uh, I know Thank you are you being. Too. I know you are being a very good son to your slightly stu- stubborn parents that <laughs> yes yeah they've they've gotten better uh i know my mom is wearing a mask when she goes out which i appreciate yeah. uh but it was yeah it was the thing i am doing the shopping and they are letting me do the shopping which That's i appreciate good. i i will take the hit on that one good and certainly tell your lovely other half that i wish her the best and so uh, i will yes and so uh guys go to kickstarter um and uh cupid's arrow uh i will have the link to the web page where you can get it from there um this is a great story you want to read it uh and uh for now listeners thank you you stay safe you wash your hands, wear an effing mask, stay distance from each other, and we're going to get this together. Thank you, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one the only said listing bruce said listing bruce is part of the southgate media podcast group the theme for set listing bruce was written by david rosen used by permission it's nfl draft season and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.